Right, Webster, the game's over. Hi, honey. I don't know you, lady. But the other night. I'm sorry, but that wasn't me. That guy's gone. And you're next, Webster. Podcast and the nerds who haunted themselves. I'm Stuart Moraine and I'm a Superman fan. Which is lucky, as for this year's Super Specials, we're taking a look at the cinematic adventures of the Man of Tomorrow, from 1978's Superman the Movie to 2013's Man of Steel, with a stop off in 1993 for the Lois and Clark pilot along the way too. There are some super anniversaries to celebrate this year, with Superman himself turning 85, Superman the Movie celebrating his 45th anniversary, Superman 3 its 40th anniversary, the Lois and Clark pilot his 30th anniversary, and Man of Steel hitting its 10th anniversary. So 2023 seemed like the right year to welcome you to our Summer of Superman specials. Whether you're a regular listener or just dropping by for these special episodes, welcome to the show and thank you for giving us a listen. I hope you enjoyed the film talk and, as always, if you feel like doing so, you can keep the conversation going in the comments on our socials, in the Amway Not group on Facebook, or wherever you see this episode posted. For this episode, I'm joined by all-star superfan co-host Alan Burke as we discuss Richard Lester's 1983 threequel, Superman 3. And now, with an advance warning on spoilers and all that introduction stuff out of the way, let's roll the trailer. When it's time for adventure, it's time for Superman. Alexander Salkine presents Christopher Reeve and Richard Pryor in Superman 3. This time, Richard Pryor has come to Metropolis. Oh, I'm sorry. And he's got something to sell. (laughs) He's the best con man and the world's greatest computer genius. Let me tell you something. I can't ski. But then he falls. (laughs) For a scheme to turn the ultimate computer into the ultimate weapon. What would it do for me? It would do anything you tell me to tell it to do. A machine so powerful. Baby, it's daddy! It can control the earth. Now, getting down to business. Change the weather. You're a genius. And reprogram Superman. Thought you'd never get here. Well, I hope you don't expect me to save you, because I don't do that anymore. He didn't die. I ask you to kill Superman. And you're telling me you couldn't even do that one simple thing. Ah. All right, Webster, the game's over. But only the man who pulled the switch on Superman. Oh, uh, see, I'm not with them, Superman. You're gonna fool me, mister. Can pull the plug on Super Machine. 
You're going to go down in history as the man who killed Superman. Oh, no. Thank you, brother. Superman 3. Uh, watch the trees. Whoa! This time is going to be the best time of all. Hello, Alan. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks for having me back, Stuart. It's uh, it's great to be back on, on the podcast again. Yeah, no, thank you for coming back on and for talking Superman. I, I understand you're familiar with it. So. <laughs> just just a just a touch just a touch maybe maybe not as much as my as as my co-host on uh, all-star superfan but uh yeah i was i have a smidgen of uh of knowledge on it all right <laughs> awesome and you know this particular film as well so yes well this is my favorite of the uh of this i was i was kind of i i almost winced there because i was like oh am i gonna say it's the favorite my favorite of the series but you know i actually think if it's the one that i go back to the most then I think that that defines my favorite of the series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Flaws and all. Well, that's it. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the best, but it's the one no. you enjoy the most. No. So yeah, no, I'm, not sil- I'm not silly about it or anything. Yeah, <laughs> not evangelical online about it, like <laughs> no, certain no. other Superman movie fans. All right, and so yeah, little bit of info. So we're talking about Superman three. So directed by Richard Lester and written by David and Leslie Newman, uh, with Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. Starring Christopher Reeve, Richard Pryor, Jackie Cooper, Mark McClure, um, Annette O'Toole, Annie Ross, Pamela Stevenson, Robert Vaughan, and Marco Kidder, barely. Um, released in cinemas on the 17th of June 1983 in the US and on the 19th of July 1983 in the UK. And it grossed 80.2 million worldwide on an estimated budget of 39 million, according to thenumbers.com. Roger Ebert gave the film two and a half stars out of four, saying, Superman 3 is the kind of movie I feared the original Superman would be. It's a cinematic comic book, shallow, silly, filled with stunts and action, without much human interest. What's amazing is that the first two Superman movies avoided that description. With this third one, maybe they finally run out of inspiration. All of this is sort of fun, and the special effects are sometimes very good, but there's no real sense of wonder in this film. I couldn't find a Barry Norman review on it, so Mm -hmm. that's it. Um, I think Roger Ebert's a bit harsh, mainly on comics rather than the film, but... (laughs) You know, I, I, I definitely agree with some of his points and I definitely disagree with other points that he's made yeah. there. Yeah, I, that's why I like to get these ones from the time sort of thing and Rodri but, mm. and Barry Norman seem to be good. Sort of split people. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, so sort of going back to the beginning, what are your memories of first seeing Superman 3 and where did it fall in the Superman canon for you? Because obviously as kids, we kind of saw them as they appeared rather than... Yeah, um, well, I I was too old to catch any of the the um, Superman films. Sorry, too young to catch any of the Superman films in the in the theater at the time of release. I wasn't around for Superman the movie uh, or Superman two, and Superman three came out the year before I was born, and Superman four came out in eighty seven. So I was about three at the time. Um, so my my original experience of seeing the films, all of the film for, films for the first time, was renting them um, in the small coastal town that I grew up in. And Superman 3 was the one that I rented the most by far. Um, I loved the fact that, you know, Superman 2 had the fight and everything in it and Zod and that was all cool. And, you know, the the big city uh, showdown. Um, But Superman 3 always spoke to me as a kid. Um, It was a self-contained film. 
you could, you know, you didn't need to see anything before or afterwards. Um, in hindsight, I think it's probably the most accurate Silver Age depiction of Superman on screen. You know, it's it's I, I just think it's a superb uh, throwback to all those kind of 50s and 60s uh, books of, of that era. And uh, I, I just think it's a lot of fun. Is it flawed? Absolutely. Is it silly? Absolutely. Is there a lot of stuff in it that it would be better if they weren't included in it? I'll be the first to say it, you know, you know, traffic light men fighting each other and goofy opening sequences and all that stuff could easily go. But I think I like I disagree with Roger Ebert said, I, th- I think it is a, a wondrous film. I think it is a superhero escape film for kids that, you know, provides a lot of escapism and fun and terror in some parts that i'm sure that you know terrified an entire generation we will will come on to that yeah (laughs) we we all there's an entire generation of people here and this was their first introduction to horror as well um but it's the one that i go back to you know more often than not i love superman the movie i i actually discovered superman the movie later on as a kid it wasn't readily available to rent um at the same time i was renting the other three but then i did i did come upon it later on um and obviously i love it and that is by any definition to this day, obviously, the 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 superior film out of all of these, out of you know, out of, of any of the sequels, it is by any definition the better film. Um, Superman two is a great movie. It's a great sequel in an age where people forget, like sequels back in the eighties were dog shit. Um, like they really, really were. Like yeah, you, you know, you're generally lucky if you had the original cast in them as well. <laughs> yeah, like like there are exceptions to this, but like generally speaking, it was just do the same thing again and cash in. You know, as uh, you know, like RoboCop two, Jaws two to an extent. Even though I still think that's an okay film, but it really is just rinse repeat. You know, it's a yeah, soulless... yeah. Jaws two is like a weak copy of the first one, but it's good fun at least. Yeah, absolutely. Ghostbusters 2 was a big letdown compared to the first one. Um, and then you get into like all the sequels. The 80s was built on horror sequels, you know, the, yeah. the Freddy Krueger movies, uh, the, the Friday the 13th films, all that stuff. Um, and Superman 3, I think, is a really strong entry. Um, I think people lump it in a lot with Superman 4. And I think that's very unfair. I think it's a vastly superior film to Superman 4. Um, I think with a, a couple of small edits, it could be... Uh, vastly superior to what it is now and if we got some kind of a almost like a director's cut or a fan edit cut i think you could really really improve on it but i think lumping it in with superman 4 is a bit of a slap in the face uh to 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 what it actually is and i think a lot of people who remember it as being this kind of terrible film if they actually sat down and watched it i think they'd actually have a lot of fun with it this time you know as 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 adults if you haven't returned to it in a couple of years yeah i mean i tend to go backwards and forwards on it i think this time i think potentially sacrilegious i think it's a better film than superman 4 but i think i enjoyed Super- i had a lot more fun with superman 4 this time than i did this one i find this one's plodding in places but mm-hmm. again come back to me next time i watch it it might change completely kind of well, thing i um, i don't think i don't think superman 4 is even really it's not even a finished film no i mean it's a hatchet job of a film and like we've had mark pillow um nuclear man on the podcast we spoke to him and you could not meet a nicer guy or a guy who's more proud of what they accomplished with that film and it was always a kind of a stained christopher reeve he he never really liked to talk about it from very early on early on like the film came out in 87 by 88 he was deriding it with media and in interviews and stuff saying you know it was a bit of a shit show um and obviously, you know, a huge portion of the film was cut out and it's a complete mess. The, the effects are, are a mess. The only thing I'll say about it, and Rob makes this point regularly on our show, is that um, 
you know, story wise, it's 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 probably the more cohesive of the two. Yeah, you know. Um, but saying that, I I I rarely I watch Superman four to prepare for the Mark Pillow interview we did, and I. I really didn't think much about it. I appreciated everything that they tried to do that Sidney J. Fury tried to do and Mark and Gene and Christopher at the time, obviously haven't been so involved in the script and that, but I don't, I, I really have to disagree there. I think it's a, it's a lot less fun than, um, than Superman three. Yeah, no, that's, that's fine. I, like I say, um, my opinion, much. I think sort of, I can't remember when I first saw this. I think it was a video shop. Bro. I have very few mm. clear childhood memories of particular Superman things. I've got, I remember as a kid, I loved all the silly stuff. I loved the traffic light men fighting each other. As a kid, that stuff's great. Yeah. Sort of look at traffic lights as a kid differently than you. Think. They have a fight. <laughs> I don't know. It just feels a little bit like it's being held back a little bit. I know that Richard Pryor has said since, I can't remember if he's in the autobiography or not, but he says about he wanted to play it straight. Yes. And Richard Lester told him that to be... But then I don't think they let him go full Richard Pryor on it. It feels very much... Which, I guess, because it's a family film, you kind of have to rein Richard Pryor in a bit. But at the same time, they needed to... I think they could have found that middle ground. And I would have loved to have seen... Uh, like, I'd be a big fan of, of Richard Pryor's stand-up from back back at that time and of, you know, films like Stir Crazy and those Gene yeah. Wilder movies that he appeared in. Um, um, See No Evil, Hear No Evil yeah. and all, all that kind of stuff. But... Uh, I would be the first to say I would love to have seen uh, a version of this where uh, Richard Pryor played Gus Gorman straight. Yeah, um, so I, mean, I always used to joke that this was a Richard Pryor film with Superman in it. But I think watching it this is. time, I was like, it, it is, but it doesn't feel like a Richard Pryor movie either. No, but it's it's the the way they went like the first opening scene where he's in the unemployment office and you know you have the the clerk with the big hair yeah. and he's he's you know making excuses for the fact that he's lost another job and he's still claiming and she basically tells him that he's he's um what's the word she uses he says don't call me a bum uh, no longer eligible I think she yeah. says for the to to claim um but like that's what a strange way to start the film like what a strange way to introduce those characters when you go from the epic opening sequences of Superman 1 and even Superman 2 which a lot of it you know the theatrical version recaps a lot of the first yeah. film to the score and it's really you know it's really heroic and it's it's you know it's iconic the credits to Superman 1 the opening credits to Superman 1 are absolutely iconic and then to open with this kind of a scene and then go into this slapstick you know I, I can absolutely see why people who really appreciated the as Richard Donner used to say, the verisimilitude aspect of those first two films. And obviously the second one less so than the first, because there is a lot of silly shit in the second one yeah. too, um, in, in Richard Lester's version. Um, but yeah, I can I can completely understand why people went in going, what is this? Oh God, we're, we're, it's almost like carry on Superman. Yeah. Um, in especially so like if I was re-editing this, I would absolutely cut out that entire opening sequence and just put in a straight opening Superman in space, you know. The, yeah, because I think font. I think it's in the Oliver Harper video they say that they change it for the TV edit, didn't they? That mm, they yes. put it so the opening titles because it's weird that it doesn't open with the Superman theme either. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's, it's a bit odd. like Bond films. You expect Bond films to open with the gun barrel, and if they don't, it just doesn't quite feel right. And then it was a bit the same with this one as well. Um, but even the Supermaning in it is, I always, even as a kid, I was like, you know, it starts off with, um, it starts off with the, obviously all the shenanigans going on. But when it comes to Superman, it starts off with the bank robbery. 
Yeah. And and, and the, 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 the car crashes on a fire hydrant and it's filling up with water. But there's no mention of the bank robbery ever again. And I was always like, does he go after the bank robbers or did they just get away with it? <laughs> yeah, because you've got Clark walking around wonderfully oblivious to everything, which I get that, you know, the Clark Kent that he plays would be, but kind of like, you feel like Superman would have been aware of this stuff going on. I mean, I'm not a fan of that. Again, as a kid, I find it hilarious. Um, there's little bits in it. I love Chris Reeves acting where he sees the penguin on fire, picks it up, looks yeah. around, blows it out, and then just puts it back down on the road and lets it go again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and Chris looks incredible in it. He's wearing yeah. this like a uh, tan suit and he looks absolutely superb. He's the best. He looks the, the best. He's in the best shape of any of the films in this. For some reason, I always think in Superman 4, he looks a bit tired or a bit mean almost I don't know why I always get that impression and even when I see stills of him in Superman 4 because he's only about 34 35 by Superman yeah. 4 I think like so it's not a kind of a Roger Moore by a view to a kill situation yeah. where he's way out aged the part um, but I just always think that he looks like he's unhappy in Superman 4 for probably for various legitimate yeah. reasons good reasons but I always think he looks like he's having fun in Superman 3 even though I know he wasn't a fan of the way it came out yeah, I th- don't know if it's because in the years since, whenever they do a Kingdom Come Christopher Reeve, it's always him in Superman 3 that they've just, yeah. like, you know, yeah. done the grade the temples and uh, yeah, changed the <laughs> costume. That he, he looks older in this film to me, but not old, just yeah, more established as Superman kind of thing, swinging towards that Kingdom Come sort of version of Superman. His, his, his physique in Superman 3 is absolutely yeah. like he is built. He yeah. is built and he has come to play in this film. And it's just a pity they don't give him a little bit. I was about to say, it's almost a pity they don't give him a little bit more to do. Um, and there's one scene and I've spoken about previously in our show that annoys me where um, there's this big Superman action sequence that we don't see where it's described to us. And it like breaks us. that that rule of, you know, show, don't tell. And they just describe this amazing action sequence and we get tiny little glimpses of it. And I'm like, where, why aren't we seeing this? But like, there's some great action sequences, action sequences in this film, arguably more than in any of the others. Yeah, yeah, possibly the exception of his first night out in the first Superman. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stages. That was a big thing for me is that Gus describing it thing because we later then get a shot of a helicopter going through the canyon taking the computer equipment. Yes, it's like, did we need this? Yeah, it's like we could have saved money here and put in a bit more Superman action, and even like the Websters and that ballooning down. I didn't need that either. That added no. nothing to the film. No. Other than explaining why Gus is a bit late. He's going down on a donkey. Um, and I just kind of like, you could have put in another great Superman scene. Yeah. Yeah. And, and spent like, the money that way. Yeah, it's, absolutely. And like that's that one where he's meant to be stopping this hurricane in, in Columbia. Like they absolutely should have shown more of that. Yeah. You know, nobody wants to hear a, a, a supporting character or actually in this film, the main character. Yeah. Um, yeah it's ironic that Christopher Reeve finally gets top billing and then it still feels like he's been sidelined in his own movie. Yeah. Like imagine going to a James Bond movie and you have someone just, you know, describing what James Bond has done yeah. and not showing any of it. It's crazy. Like I said, I think that's the most frustrating thing with this film for me. In some ways, I think this works better as a Superman 4 because I've watched these out of order. I watched 4 mm-hmm. and then this one. This one ends quite nicely with Lana yes. at the planet because obviously she disappeared by 4. It's got quite a nice ending, especially as Lois is hardly in it as well. You feel like you've capped off that relationship in 4 and they've all sort of moved on kind of. And um, I, I probably disagree with a lot of people on this or a lot of people would disagree with me on this. 
I'm not a huge fan of the um, chemistry between Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder, uh, Mar- Margot Kidder in these movies. I think, I think it's good in Superman the movie, um, and I think she's she's by no means my favorite Lois Lane. I I have preferences over Margot Kidder. Not that she's not great in the role, um, but I would take the Lana Lang relationship from this series over the Lois relationship any day of the week. Yeah, um, I think it's much stronger. There's probably people screaming at the. She gets shortchanged by the series, to be honest. Um... And and there, there's no question that 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 happens. I mean, she's she's basically booted out of three in the opening scenes, and in Superman four, she's there, but Muriel Hemingway is also there. Yeah. Um. And I I think my issue, my I don't think my issue is really with Margot herself, um, who's a perfectly fine Lois Lane. Um. I think my issue is that. There, there are other versions of Lois Lane, like Clark Kent and Superman are, you know, these amazing characters. And I think it would take a lot for them to fall in love with someone. Um, And I can see in other versions why the Clark Superman characters would fall in love with that version of Lois Lane. I can see yeah. it in in uh, Lois and Clark. I can definitely see it in Smallville. I think Erica Durance is arguably the, the best Lois Lane on screen. Um, I can see it in Superman and Lois um, with um, uh, Bitsy Tulick. I can't really see why Christopher Reeves, Superman, Clark Kent would fall in love with Margot Kidder. Yeah. You know, she's a journalist. She can't really spell. Um, she's fairly aggressive. <laughs> she's kind of mean. Um, and I don't think she has any really great positive qualities not, not, not that i see on screen i mean she's yeah. brave and she you know she she in superman the movie she you know she um kicks that um mugger in the alley you know she she takes risks and all that kind of stuff but i i don't really you know i think this i think christopher Reeve's version of superman falls in love with margot kidder's lois lane because it's in the script yeah whereas i can literally watch other versions go ah i can see why he i can see why he falls for her um, yeah I think why I think this possibly works better with Sephora as well is I think he's better suited to Lana mm. and Alana moving to Metropolis kind of thing. And I, I like Annette O'Toole anyway. Who I, had a, yeah. I had a childhood crush on Annette O'Toole. Yeah. Still do, let's be honest. But, <laughs> um, but, you know, it's... And she's lovely in this film. Um, when you first see her in the school reunion, she's lovely. And looks lovely. She looks lovely the next day as well when they're cleaning it up. Yeah. And she loves Clark. She has yeah. a thing for Clark. Now, the other side of that is it's not like there's almost, there's three kind of versions of Clark in this. There's the there's the fake pretend Clark that everybody sees at the planet. There's Superman. And then there's what's kind of the real the more real version of Clark. Now, yeah, he's eating dog food thinking that it's it's pate and stuff and he's doing silly things. But he's he's more grounded. And I know Christopher Reeve spoke about that as the series progressed, that he kind of felt in the first one that he had laid it on a bit too thick with Clark. And uh, by three, it's really toned down a lot, especially in those small little scenes um, with Lana. Like he does his silly dance at the high school reunion, which always makes me laugh. Um, and like I said, he, you know, he eats the dog food and stuff. But there's, you know, he, he's definitely a more grounded real Clark in this film than he is in in those in the in those other incarnations I think yeah I, I mean I always kind of viewed it as like you know a nervous new starter kind of thing mm. um, sort of settling into himself I am um, I like the little bits with Lois I like when Clark's pitching his story to Perry and Lois thinks she's missing out on a story so she's like story yeah. story what story yeah 
And then when she hears it, she's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. And I like the look she gives Clark when he's got the small wheel jumper up and it's got the yeah, S. With the S on it, yeah. Because I always like the idea that she kind of remembers, just doesn't say it. Yeah, that's a, it's such a minefield of of problems, that whole... Because uh, especially in 4 as well, the way she talks to Clark when he's sick. Again, yeah. we talk about it in that episode. There's just something... I, I think Margot's playing it like she knows. Margot Kidder's Lois Lane should absolutely have been left knowing the secret by the end of two. Yeah. Like that was a that was a fundamental error in 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 that film's production, I think, was was not having the the balls to just allow Lois Lane to know. I think nowadays, like we get it with Man of Steel, Amy Adams figures it out, you know, before she even really meets Clark. Yeah. Um, she figures out who he is. And I think they just didn't have the balls at the time to deviate that far from the original material. Um, especially if they're going to introduce Lan in the next film, you could you could you could have it in three that you know it just didn't work. It didn't work between Lois and and Clark. It was too hard. Her knowing the secret and not being with them, and even the reason that she can't be with them is a bit like why can't she be with Superman? Because you know when she knows that he's Clark Kent, it makes no yeah. sense. You know, um, but I I and and then he explores his avenue with Lana and then comes back to Lois maybe in four when they try and work it out again. You know, I think it would have been much, much more interesting for Lois as a character to have developed her in that way. Yeah, I yeah, like I say, I think she was just massively underserved. And I know she thinks that it's because she spoke out when Richard Donner was fired and she thought she yeah. was being punished for that. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, because. The only people who'll ever know is the soul kinds, to be honest. So. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that scene that you were talking about in the Daily Planet where he has the jumper, I love where in that scene where, where um, Jackie Cooper makes such a big uh, thing about a big deal about Lois going away <laughs> and then just does not give a shit about, about Clark going back to small. Yeah, because he makes that thing about, you know, I'm sure I can cope without my best reporter. He's like, oh, <laughs> thanks, Mr. White. He's like, but you I deserve a holiday, Lois. <laughs> and, the, and the look of forlorn on Clark's face, and it's genuine. Um, Yeah, I think that's great. And then we're straight into, you're straight into basically, uh, the, you know, your first action scene not too long after that with the chemical plant yep. uh, scene, which is, I think it's brilliant. Oh, it's such a well put together scene and it's got a poem from aliens in it as well. So yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think that seems really well done. I mean, the blue screen looks a bit hokey when he's flying the frozen lake over and, you know, the science of the frozen lake doesn't work, but if you want to start taking apart science in a Superman movie, well, we get that, we get yeah. that great, that great change, a great monologue with uh, Jimmy and he's, he's kind of baking it up for Clark and uh, that great change where Clark, I think it's, it's, uh, it's funny, but where Clark changes in the back of the police car and flies off and he lands and the, the way Christopher, only Christopher Reeve could really kind of, you know, like a ballet dancer lands behind the, the firefighter and like you feel the tension, you know, the acid is going to blow and people are trapped. What's he going to do? And I, I, to this day, it's one of my favorite Superman sequences in yeah. live action yeah I think it's brilliant yeah I love when Jimmy and Clark crouch down behind the um, police car and he's telling them to distract the police and you've just got that one officer stopping traffic but also looking at him like, looking at them the yeah <laughs> um, um, like that's 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 top tier stuff that's as good as anything in any action film at that time in, in, of films I think yeah. it's, it's really good stuff it's in places it's really corny and over the top but it works really well there's a not quite to that extreme, but there's a nice Batman 66 element to this mm. in it sort of embracing its ridiculousness. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for that, especially, you know, coming out of the grounded and real approach that we've had recently. Um, like I said, I love Al Stewart with the um, uh, Maypone with the uh, get this man a helmet. 
Oh, a shoe Superman. Cancel the helmet. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I I think it's all good. I think it's. I I love the uh, like you said, the science of the late thing doesn't really hold up, but I, I just think it's. I, I just think it's class. You know, him flying over, and you've got the John Williams theme building up, and you know that man's a miracle. I think it's. I love that line. Yeah, I love I the way he great. delivers it. <laughs> um, I like the guy who's like trying to keep the temperature down for the acid as well. You know, mm-hmm. the Chekhov's acid. Yeah. Will that come into play later? I think he's really good as well. Just, yeah, no, absolutely. The way he's like, you know, we got to get out. He's like, no, I can't. It's like, you get the other people clear, but I got to keep this stuff. Yeah, and like, to, to be honest, I I don't really have an issue with any of the actors themselves throughout the entire film. Um, there's other films in this franchise where I think the acting is a bit hairy here and there. Yeah, there's very few actors, if any, that I can think of in this film where I'm like, maybe the maybe the material isn't you know top tier. But I think the performances by the individual actors is is really good. I, I am sorry for Richard Pryor that he didn't kind of, you know, he was a Superman fan. You know, there's obviously that famous story about how he's in Johnny Carson. And he mentioned that he was mad to go see the latest Superman movie. And that's why the Falcons rang him and stuff. But um, it would have been excellent to see him play it straight, I think, you know. Yeah, because I know the original idea was, well, not the original idea, but they wanted to look at maybe using Brainiac and mm-hmm. Mixed Piddlet. And Richard Pryor feels like a little bit like they've mashed those two characters together and just made him a guy. Yeah, yeah. And we get, and I've spoken to Rob about this before, Ross Webster is is kind of the post-crisis Lex Luthor, but pre-crisis, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's 83, so it's before John Byrne's run, but he's basically the, the post-crisis Lex Luthor. He's a hugely successful businessman, heavily involved in philanthropy, uh, highly thought of, covered in the press, and he's this megalomaniac wants to take over the world. And I, I um, do like how that's established just by a series of Jimmy Olsen's photos at the beginning. Yeah. He tells us all we need to know about. <laughs> Gus, my friend, we're going to teach them a lesson, aren't we? Uh, Mr. Webster. Destroy the entire Colombian coffee crop right down to the last bean. The last bean? We. Right. But you got. So much, you know, like... You know, a wise man once said, I think it was Attila the Hun, it is not enough that I succeed. Everyone else must fail. Seems fair. Gus. What? You are going to do this for me. How? The weather. You didn't tell me your mother was going to be here. I'm his sister, his baby sister. Gus, tell me, have you ever heard of Vulcan? Hi, Miss Vulcan. Vulcan is the weather satellite our government put up in orbit to monitor the weather. But if somebody were to reprogram it, it could do much more. It could make weather. Storms and floods. Lizards, heat waves. How do you do that? Like everything else in the 20th century, Gus. You push buttons. So that's probably a good point to jump on to the villains. So obviously we talked a bit about Richard Pryor. We'll go back to Richard Pryor. But obviously you've got Robert Vaughan as Ross Webster. You've got Pamela Stevenson as Lorelei. And you've mm-hmm. got Annie Ross as Vera, who Annie Ross was the voice of Ursa in Superman 2. I didn't actually know that. 40 years and still learning things about about these films. I know Annie Ross is um, a famous jazz singer as well. As yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it's that and... The kid at the photo booth is the one that played Baby Kal-El in yeah, Aaron, Superman the uh, movie. Yeah, Aaron Smolinski, yeah. Which I love that little photo booth bit. Again, in that whole mess of stuff going on, it's just a really nice little Superman bit where he's just looking down the pictures and like, rips off the bottom one. 
It's so good. And I showed it to my daughter there not too long ago. And even she was like, oh, my, it's it's great. Now she's yeah. three and she's loving it. Um, I, I saw that, that that photo card, that actual photo card came up for auction there. I think it was last year, the year before. Um, I can't remember how much it went for, but uh, it's a it's a beautiful little piece, and what a lovely collector's item to have the original yeah. the original photo card that he that he rips or that he's about to rip. Yeah, that'd be great to have in the collection. But uh, yeah, that's a great thing. Also, the fastest processing photo booth I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I think out of those three, I think Ross Webster at the end of the day suffers from being Lex Luthor light. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. He's too similar to what they did with Gene Hackman and. It's a thankless task. Um, I think for me, the big standout out of those three is Pamela Stevenson. Yes. As and, Laura and, Light. I, uh, it's horribly yeah. underdeveloped with what they yeah. do, with her actually being smart, but hiding it. I always wondered, is, was there more to that that was cut out? Because that's obviously the big gag in it, is that she's playing this blonde bimbo bombshell who is his, don't ask me to quote her job title, but is it his psychic nutritionist or something yeah, like that? Yeah, something like that, yeah. And she's, you know, thick as, a, thick as a ditch. And but whenever they're not there, she's like reading philosophy books and she's highly intelligent. And it, it basically is that she's hiding her intelligence. Never explained why she's doing that or what her end game is there. And I would have loved to have gotten a little bit, a little bit more with that, especially towards the end. Yeah, because um, I thought it was going to be like a Lois and Clark with Church's girlfriend taking over Intergang at the end of that arc. Yeah. That then never went anywhere either. I yeah. thought it might have been a case of that, that, you know, she was the power behind the power kind of thing, but they didn't realize it. Because there's little yeah. bits where she lets slip her intelligence to him and they sort of look at her like, what? And she's like, Krypton yeah. something? Krypton, Krypton ham or something, she goes at one point when she's trying to describe. And I don't believe for a second that there's not a person on the face of the planet that doesn't know what kryptonite is by this time. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody would probably know, like, what 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 his biggest weakness is. But, like, even the, the facade in the in the final scenes with the, what I, what I always call the Brainiac computer, even though I know it's not, yeah. the facade drops, you know, and she turns to her and she's like, I'm out of here, sister. And she runs, yeah. you know, and she's or even pushing the buttons you know she knows exactly what what buttons so, to push she doesn't know what to do she's like, so just basically just push the big red one like, what? <laughs> yeah she's um billy Connolly's wife isn't she she is yeah yeah because yeah. i knew her from obviously i think i'd seen this first but then my dad used to let us watch not the nine o'clock news when he used to do reruns yeah so i knew her more from that when i then saw superman 3 again in early 2000s when they released the box set Okay. She's got some lovely little bits of facial acting as well. When mm -hmm. Superman arrives and she's like, um, oh, hi, honey. He's like, I don't know you, lady. Which I don't, yeah. I'm not comfortable with Superman saying lady. Doesn't feel yeah. right. <laughs> Ma'am feels a bit more Superman-y to me. But um, when she says, but the other night, he's like, I'm sorry, that wasn't me. That guy's gone. Just the way her face sort of drops and you see her eyes processing it and she looks genuinely hurt. Yeah, and he's super cold about it because he obviously remembers because he remembers to go back and, you know, fix the, yeah. the oil tanker and, you know, undo some of the shenanigans that evil Superman, I always put evil in air quotes because is he really he's evil? more dickish. Yeah, he's more kind of a dick sometimes. <laughs> you know, he just likes to drink his Jim Beam and be left alone. But, you know, sometimes he's a bit of a dick. Um, I do like his little stroppy runoff after the Barsi. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's just the way the cape goes, but it really looks like he's like. <laughs> but even even that entire scene, though, that entire scene of like, it's a really kid friendly Superman movie, and it's cl clearly really aimed at kids, obviously. And this whole sequence of like, you know, dickhead Superman 
just wanting to get laid, really. Yeah. <laughs> and then this. Yeah, weird... I, I made that my note that Superman trashes a um, tanker for over the power of Boner. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then he lands down and it's this kind of, you know, she goes to, to pour the champagne or whatever and he kind of grabs her by the back of the head and this real, you know, sleazy kind of goes in for the kiss and then it obviously fades to black or whatever. He's, he's proper lechy Superman. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah. I always remember the bit with Lana going on for slightly longer, but yeah, it, it obviously doesn't. Yeah, that's, that's, that, there's a real intensity to that scene that. That, um, I had kind of forgotten when I when I had la- when I last watched it, and uh, yeah, you kind of get that weird, creepy Superman vibe. And Chris Reeve plays it very well. Oh yeah, it's really uncomfortable to watch. There's, yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff in that evil Superman thing. I love the way he says, just going back slightly, the you know, I'm sorry, but that wasn't me. That guy's gone. I love mm. the way he delivers that line. That's like pitch perfect, Chris. Reeve. You can see the regret in his face as he's saying it. Yeah, and trying to absolve himself of it, kind of thing. But still trying to portray this kind of, you know, truer than true, bluer than yeah. blue Superman, you know, yeah. But yeah, there's some, there's some dark stuff in this, you know, the way he kills evil Superman by pretty much choking him to death. That is probably one of my favorite scenes of the entire series. That junk, that junkyard scene um, where obviously, you know, he he's he's split into two or he, he, he turns evil tr- through what's basically red kryptonite or some variation of kryptonite, yeah. but they should have, they should change the color of it. Yeah, because you think he'd be wary of any kind of green crystal. Yeah, that looks exactly like Kryptonite. And he's there's no kind of, whoa, whoa, what's going on here when he's handed it or anything. It's just, oh, yeah, thank you very much. And that whole, that, that entire sequence with uh, with Richard Pryor doing the, the, the four-star general thing yeah. is very strange. Um, I like when he breaks his stick on his own leg. <laughs> yeah, he starts going on about chairs and plastic and, you know, you know, we'd all be gone. It wasn't for this man. It finally gets to a point, but I'm like, this is not really working. This whole shtick doesn't, I don't yeah. think it really sticks. Um, and like you know, you get all those kind of dicky Superman scenes and stuff. But when they finally split into two, and that sequence happens in the junkyard. Now, looking back, you can see issues with the way it's shot. You can see issues with where, like, especially in that scene where, um, where where Clark Kent is choking uh, evil Superman, and kind of some of Clark's, I think it's his arm, is kind of disappearing, or his head is kind of it's not really you know cut very well, um. But yeah, I think that's a great scene. Yeah. It's Christopher's face as he's being choked, it's full on and he looks like his head's gonna explode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I like that they use the Zod music the Krypton Zod music for yeah, Evil Superman too. in that scene as well. I think it works really nicely. I know some people have said, you know, they wish it had been more Yeah, yeah. Ken's and it's, original, but it's shot it's shot it, like I know I said that I, I did notice issues, but Overall, it's shot pretty well. Like it's it's not really kind of clear, you know, uh, split screen or where you can see. Obviously, there's there's doubles used and stuff, but it's very well, very well done. And the anger that the evil Superman has for Clark, you know, he hates Clark yeah. Kent. He hates that version of his personality. And I, I'm always wondering, were they trying to say that, um, that Superman without the Clark Kent would be like that? Is is that what it is? Or is it just that, like, this kind of resentment that the Kryptonian half of himself has for the Clark Kent character? And he just, he, you know, you, you always wanted to fly Kent. Well, here's your chance. You know, this kind of resentment for, for the weakness of Clark and the humanity of Clark. And it's very similar to myself and Rob. The episode isn't out yet. I don't think, it, um, I don't know if we'll be able to time this airs. Um, but we covered um, Superman Up in the Sky recently. And there's a story in Superman Up in the Sky where Superman is split in like a, a, a lightning storm in space. And he split into the, the you know, the, the Kryptonian half of himself and the Clark Kent half of himself. And it's just 
dialogue between the two on a planet. And it's it's just really interesting uh, deep dive into that relationship and that juxtaposition between the two between the two halves. And it's very similar to this, whereas but whereas this is it is not verbal, this is more physical. Yeah. Um, and like that, yeah. And like even I remember as a kid being traumatized by the part where he puts him in the crusher and the crusher yeah. closes over Clark Kent, and you can hear like these visceral screams out of Clark and uh, Superman goes to the, the end of the conveyor belt to see if there's, I don't know, bits of Clark Kent coming yeah. out, I suppose. I I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I I think that's one of my favorite scenes from the entire series. Yeah, because as a kid as well, I well, I didn't know if he had his powers or not. So when mm. he put, gets put in the crusher and then when he gets put in the mincer after that as well. Yeah. I mean, you kind of pick it up that maybe he has got his powers when he gets pummeled into the ground by the magnet and then comes out and whole, one whole piece. But it's a really nice thing. thing. Um, I think he's really good as evil Superman. I quite like that he got to I like flex that. that. The, I like that the suit changes and gets darker and almost it, like the Superman returns. I was right. going to say, at mm. one point, it's exactly the same tone color as the blue and the red. Yeah. All of Ghost Burgundy is exactly the same as the Superman Returns suit, pretty much. Yeah, I it's, see they released they released this uh, Hot Toys version about, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago of the Superman 3 uh, evil Superman. And I have the Hot Toys version of the, the standard Christopher Reeve, and I was very close to getting it, the, the evil version, but it just wasn't enough. That, like, they made no real change to the head sculpt or anything like that. They basically just dyed the colors of the clothes a little bit darker. I think it made like an angry grimace on his face or something would have been a lot more appealing or an extra head or something like that but i do like that the the the, the longer it goes on the dirtier his suit gets i like yeah. that yeah i liked that it's i do wonder if they ever intended to like do bizarro or something and this was the compromise yeah and i've wondered that myself um it's it's the same with the computer that with gus's computer at the end of this you know it's obviously inspired by now but you see this, the thing is as well I was just about to say it's obviously inspired by Brainiac to some degree, but the Brainiac at the time was very different to, I don't, I'd have to, do, I'd ha, I could be wrong, but I, I think that the Brainiac at the time, I don't think he was like the robotic, you know. No, I think he was guy. still the green skinned alien. alien. Yeah. Yeah. So I maybe, maybe not, but I, you know, I, I can't be coincidence that they were talking about including Brainiac in this. And then it turns out there's this supercomputer that connects to the everything in, on Earth and tries to shut everything down and powers itself. I, I think that's too much of a coincidence. Yeah. I always think that there's some kind of, it, it, it's basically this world's version of Brainiac, I think. Yeah. Cause I mean, it would have been really cool if Richard Pryor was a sleeper Brainiac, didn't know his Brainiac, yeah. but. Once he got into computer programming and all that, it started to unlock it all, and that explains why he is naturally gifted with it. But yeah, even if it is 1983 hacking when he uh, decides to round up all the half pennies to himself, <laughs> which did he learn nothing from the film Office Space? <laughs> <laughs> well, it predates Office Space, to be fair. Did Office Space not learn anything from Superman 3? I know they reference it in Office Space, all right. Well, that's that's the whole gag in Office yeah. Space, isn't it? Where they realize that the plan didn't even work in Superman 3. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, to go to your your point on Bizarro. Um, yeah, like obviously it's a very different character to Bizarro. Bizarro is this kind of half baked, you know, not quite right clone replica of Superman. But again, in this version of of the universe, is Bizarro just this evil, twisted, dark side of of Superman himself? And yeah, yeah, I think I I I'm happy to think of it as a, as as this as this universe is Bizarro. 
uh, for the purposes of this film because I hate the fact that we didn't really get too much too many more kind of or any more comic book villains really you know I, I don't like when when films just make up characters and villains when they're such a back catalog of of good characters and look don't get me wrong Superman doesn't have a strong catalog obviously as people you know characters like Spider-Man or Batman who obviously has I'd yeah. say, you know the ultimate rogues gallery um but still, you've got a lot of good characters out there. Brainiac, Bizarro, um, um, Parasite, you know, Lobo now. All these different yeah. wonderful characters, you know, Livewire, all these people now. Um, so, yeah, to look at it and think, well, this is the one that kind of tried to do Brainiac and Bizarro. I'll, I'll take that. Because obviously we got the Superman 78 comic that was sort of like what would have been Superman 3 mm-hmm. as a really bland I, I, kind of thing. And I'm I, not I, a big fan of it, I have to say. I, it's fine. My biggest problem with it is that it doesn't capture that what Christopher Reeve brought to it. You can read mm-hmm. it with Christopher Reeve in mind, but it's just missing that Christopher Reeveness of it all. And the same with Margot Kidder and Gene Hackman. It's missing those things. It just feels a little bit not in time with the others. My my big issue with it, and uh, again, we discussed, we, co- we covered an episode of the podcast of All Star Superman, but uh, my biggest issue was with them bringing back Marlon Brando. Um, yeah. and bring back Jarrell because I just think it completely negates the first film. I have the exact same the... problem with the comics where they keep like, yeah. oh, these or... other Kryptonian survivors. Like, well, he was the last son of Krypton though. I mean, yeah. Um, it, like, it gets look, a bit cheap. <laughs> I know they've done it before with Kandor where they've had, you know, um, Jarrell's brother and stuff in there and that. Uh, but I, I just think it really negates, it negates Superman the movie and it definitely negates uh, yeah. the, the the Donner Cut version. If if that's your favorite, it's not my favorite version of Superman two. But if that is your favorite version of Superman two, it completely negates that. Yeah, I, think. I say it, again, a bit like the Donner Cut. It's fine as a curio, but yeah, I yeah. think it's a bit of a missed opportunity. But I, it would have been fun for Superman three for him to just been like, this is possibly the last one we're going to do. Chris is only contracted for three. Let's just yeah. throw everything at the wall. Yeah, just go big and all out on the third one. Um, and if it had ended here with three, if it had been Superman the movie, Superman two, and Superman three, and then it had just gone the way of the dodo um, until Superman returns or whatever, you know, Superman flyby or Superman lives or whatever, you know, in this alternate universe comes out next, I think the franchise would be looked back upon pretty well. You know, it'd be like there was a, a, the first one was unbelievable, the second one wasn't as good, but it was still very strong. And the third one was definitely had its issues, but I it's I, I would have preferred it. I I can hear people who love Superman four screaming at me here. I would have probably preferred if it had ended with three rather than going into the mess that was four, you know? Yeah, I think three, like I say, has got a more satisfying ending with Lana at the planet and all that sort of stuff. Um I mean three and four are pretty low down for me. They're definitely my least two favorite and the ones I go back to the least. And that's not mm-hmm. anything against anybody who does hold those films up high. Um, I love that people love different Superman films for different reasons. Um, yeah. I'll probably be the first Lois and Clark pilot on any of the other Superman films. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be the first to admit that uh, there's a huge nostalgia factor for yeah. me when it comes to this film. You know, it was the one I watched most as a child. It's the one that made me want to put, you know, a towel around my neck and run around the house. It's it's the scenes from this film that I probably um, replayed the most, you know, in kind of when I was playing in my mind or with, you know, toys or anything like that. So there's a huge and, you know, that that carries a lot of weight. That nostalgia kick carries a lot of weight um, and can really kind of, you know, if I sat down in 2023, having never seen this film before, but I think it's as good as I think it is now. Absolutely not. Yeah. You know, it's, 
I mean, it's got some great stuff in it, though. Like you say, mm-hmm. the chemical plant thing. Even Superman mm-hmm. fixing the oil tanker after he's destroyed yep. it is great. Like I say, the evil Superman stuff is really good. I love how he um I love how he lasers an anchor yeah into the into the hole on the side of the ship. I love that. Little little odds like that I love. And yeah. it's the best flying in the entire series. It's the best wire work, I think. I know you said that you the you know issues with the green screen for the lake and that. That scene where uh, Ross Webster's shooting the rockets at Superman and he's flying through the canyon and stuff. For 1983, I think they did an unbelievable Oh, yeah, that's job. it. You, you've got to take it. That flying through the canyon bit is great, and the computer yeah. graphics are great. Yeah. You know, I kicking, mean, kicking. The, there's a scene where there's a rocket chasing him, and he turns and he kicks it, and it knocks out two or three other rockets. Like, for 1983, I think it holds up really, really well. The only thing I wish they'd done is just lean properly into it. After he'd been blown up by the big missile and knocked into the boulders, mm-hmm. when he came out, there was like a Superman-shaped Looney Tunes outline in it yeah just go full on and embrace it or there could be there could be another version where that rocket that blast is the thing that split him into two yeah you know something like that even because the kryptonite i i I don't think the ross webster kryptonite thing really works as well as it could have worked maybe even if you went back if you're doing a fan edit of it i wish someone to do a really good fan edit of a fan edit of it maybe it is out there um where they could like digitize the kryptonite the tar kryptonite green because that's how he changes it there's like yeah. a uh, there's a percentage where it's unknown and they get the satellite to kind of beam out into space to download the makings of kryptonite and there's a section of it that's unknown or a percentage of it that's unknown and he just sees tar on his cigarette pack and decides what the hell and puts tar down and that's the thing that turns Superman evil it's <laughs> <laughs> like 0.59 percent or something yeah. that's the unknown no. bit. I do like, like it when doesn't... she hands it to him and he's like, no, I'm scared, I'm from Earth. This is the look <laughs> the scientist gives him. Like it holds, like it doesn't make any, like it doesn't make a lick of sense at all. <laughs> um, but uh, like even if, if they had just found a, a chunk of red kryptonite or chunked uh, some kind of kryptonite that had fallen to Earth that was a little bit different and they just decided, you know, this is the only thing we can get. Kryptonite's been outlawed. It's the only thing we can get. Let's see if this works. Um, or even if they'd engineered it and it turned out red yeah yeah and i love that scene it's one of my favorite scenes is the scene where he rings uh he rings ross webster and uh tries to explain to him that it didn't work because it doesn't turn him evil straight away it takes like two hours or whatever and uh ross webster is like you know i asked you to kill superman and you can't even do that one simple thing (laughs) i don't know if this will come out but rob does an unbelievable impression of it yeah he's been sending me voice messages yeah i have i have he sent me one today and i was like i'll have to play this and if it doesn't work we can cut it out but i, I said it's I'd, probably I'd the same it. one he said it's me. probably the same one he didn't die i asked you to kill superman and you're telling me you couldn't even do that one simple thing like that is pitch perfect <laughs> I, hope, I hope you could hear that um but yeah, it's like there's there, there's so much. I think all the Smallville stuff, like there's even the scene just where Clark is in the high school and he's talking to his this teacher that's, you know, an elderly lady now. And you can see that they all really liked Clark, you know, when he was he's kind of, a you know, the, the teacher's pet or whatever. And he sees Lana and, you know, they, they shoot they shoot the pictures of uh, a young Annette O'Toole on the wall. Uh, and they shoot to a picture of a person who is absolutely not Jeff East. Yeah, <laughs> it's Christopher Reeve. And that even as a kid, I was like, that's not what Clark looked like as a teenager. I've got that in my note is that teenage Clark does not look like teenage Clark. I want to know the backstory to that. Was it a Chris Reeve thing? Was it that they just didn't give a shit? Uh, but it wasn't. I didn't say to... what would about to pay Jeff East to use his image. 
Oh, possibly God. so it, it couldn't have been that expensive to pay jeff east to stick a picture just didn't, well i think the soul claims might have been a little bit tight to be honest yeah so any penny they could save they probably would have that's just not for, to throw dispersions against them <laughs> just for continuity of it and we learn we learn i think in in this film that um uh martha kent has passed away yeah it's the a throwaway bit of this. dialogue which again yeah. i think works would work quite nicely with four with him going to the farm and trying to sell it yes and then you come in with this film as like the end kind of thing. I, I it's a shame that obviously it wasn't the done thing. Then we're coming at the I'm coming at this from post crisis era mm-hmm. of Superman being my era. It would have been nice for there to be a Martha scene, maybe just one last Martha scene. Yeah, um, even well, if I'm... they'd have to recast her. It's... We discussed this with Mark Wade way back um, in one of the early episodes of the podcast. And uh, Mark Wade is a big fan of, or is more in favor of, you know, the Kent's dying. Because in his generation, and this is how he explained it, in his generation, that's what happened. You yeah. know, the, the Kent's die. Um, whereas I am more of a fan of the Kent's living. Yeah. Um, especially for, you know, they don't have to live in perpetuity but i i think that jesus jonathan should definitely live to see clark become superman um, and it, it gives a great sounding board i think clark the problem with superman in a lot of books i think uh personally is that he has nobody to talk to yeah like you know and i i was never a fan of like the ultra science fiction you know superman has the fortress and it's full of robots and clones and all this kind of silver age stuff i was never a huge fan of that I'm much more a fan of the Lois and Clark version where he flies home to Kansas and sits down and goes, I, you know, Lex Luthor is threatening that he's going to start killing people. If I don't give up being Superman, I don't know what to do. And Jonathan and Martha sit down and talk through it with him. You know, I'm a huge, I'm a much bigger fan of that. And I would love to have seen kind of an old Glenn Ford in these movies. And, you know, like in Superman four, when, when it's the nuclear disarmament, it's a huge issue with that. Superman has nobody to discuss that issue with at all. He, you know, they have to undo the kiss thing with Lois and he goes flying with her and stuff. And, you know, she just says to him, I know you'll make the right decision. It would have been so much better if he could fly back and sit down and, you know, have a cup of coffee on the porch with, uh, with Glenn Ford and yeah. just chat to him about what the problem is. And I think that would be so much stronger, which again, that's why I have issues with, you know, Man of Steel, and the Kevin Costner will have loads of issues with the Kevin Costner, yeah. Jonathan Kent. But, you know, I, I don't understand why they can't just let Jonathan stick around for a few years. Yeah, it's... I know that there was always the argument slightly going off the film, but with mm-hmm. the comments that once Lois knew you didn't need the Kents anymore because she yeah. filled that role kind of thing. But I always thought it was nice that they were there. Again, I grew up on that post-crisis era and particularly like you, Lois and Clark. Mm-hmm. Where you know the Kents were a main thing. Sometimes with Lois and Clark to a detriment, and they were like, "You gotta get them in," but we don't really know how. So, yeah, um, I don't think they need to be there all the time. But no. it's just like I say, it would have been nice to have a scene in this. I think with this film, just maybe another rewrite, pad some stuff out, maybe pad out mm-hmm. the. You've got the action stuff down. That's why maybe pad out some of the other stuff. Maybe lessen the Websters. They don't there really is, go anywhere. They don't. There is a lot of Websters. Yeah. Which I'm guessing is there to pad out the Richard Pryor, which again I'd argue possibly cut down some of the Richard Pryor. Oh, I would have no issue with them cutting down the Richard Pryor in this film. Like that entire sequence, which is the one that Christopher Reeve speaks about himself in his autobiography of 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 um, Richard Pryor skiing off the top of the roof and landing on the ground, you know, fifty stories below, and he walks away. You know, that's that's cartoon stuff. 
Yeah. And, you know, you you can look again, it's it's Superman three. It's not Shakespeare. But, you know, you have to respect the universe, you know, the rules of the universe that you created. And, you know, if you fall off, you know, a 50 story skyscraper, you're going to go splat on the pavement, yeah. you know. Um, well, you know, I, if you get saved by that glass, you just smash straight through that glass and. Yeah. Died you know, in the atrium or whatever it was. Absolutely. And I look, I know it's aimed at kids and stuff, but I can absolutely see why people would roll their eyes, why Christopher Reeve would roll his eyes looking at that. But uh, yeah, like there is a lot of Websters in it, um, a huge amount of the time. It's, it's it, like you said earlier, it really is a Superman. It's 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 Richard Pryor film featuring Superman yeah. for a large part of it. And then like even we, you know, we have Richard Pryor follows him to Smallville. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> It's plot convenience, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, don't get I me mean, wrong. I, I love the Brad character, the bully yeah. Brad character. Um, but yeah, like it's, it, it is a bit contrived. I love the Brad all like completely chuck his job away if you've got a suitcase full of booze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's bits in it that I mean, I like the slapstick of Richard Pryor trying to put the two cards in at the same time mm-hmm. and amusing an unconscious Brad and a bit of string and all that stuff. Um, but like I say, I just think. If you're going to have Richard Pryor in your Superman movie, let Richard Pryor go full Richard Pryor if you're not going to let him play it straight. Or even have a situation where Richard Pryor starts off the way he is and somehow connects himself to the machine. Yeah. And then evolves kind of like um, Lieutenant Barkley in The Next Generation. Yeah. Um, where he hooks himself up to that, where he's hit by a probe or something and his intelligence just absolutely skyrockets. Yeah, but even like even if he, he, he intellect had just you know evolved very quickly over time, and he had lost the the kind of the comedic aspect of his personality and became meaner or more straight as he became more intelligent, something like that could have worked. Yeah, it's weird. It's almost like they don't want him to be the bad guy. But I think yeah, if he'd been like a sleeper brainiac or like you say, mm-hmm. even just interface with the computer and become like the super genius, the big bad of the whole film. Yeah, because that whole ending wraps up quite quickly. It does. And so, you know, he's he, he kind of turns the page at the end. He doesn't want to be the guy who's known as the, the man who kills Superman um, when Ross is and the Websters are using the machine to kill Superman. And he, you know, he turns a leaf, which is good. You know, it shows a little bit of a character arc towards the end. And then that's it. He's kind of he's left off with, I think, is it Larry Lamb? Yeah, it's Larry Lamb making his second appearance in a Superman movie. <laughs> he obviously lost his job at the Daily Planet and got a job down the pits. Yeah, in uh, in in the coal in the coal mine, um, and you know you get the sequence where he makes that. What's like if any guy gave a ring like that or a diamond like that to a woman, you know she's she's thinking that they're getting married, son. Yeah, um, but no, um, but yeah, no, it's but again, I don't I don't hate the ending either. You know. Yeah. No, it's it's fine. It's Richard Pryor, like Richard Pryor, so. Mm. And as a kid, I think I would have been sad to see Richard Pryor become the big bad guy kind of thing. So yeah, it, it yeah. works. It works on a kid level for me. We should probably talk about the most terrifying thing I've ever seen in a film as a child, and that's Rich- Vera getting sucked into the computer, which yeah. goes a lot quicker than I remember it going when I was a kid. It goes quick. The the machine is breaking apart, and obviously the whole climax is that Superman goes back to uh, breaks free, goes back to the chemical plant gets the acid that needs to be heated up. Um, so the computer doesn't see it as a threat when he brings it in. But then when he heats it up, obviously, in the explosions and stuff, it, it's, um, it does serious damage to the computer. Um, but, yeah, there is a scene where the the computer uh, becomes self-aware and connects to kind of powers itself. And the Webster's try to escape. And as she's escaping, it is it, it, it 
does it grab her with wires or is it kind of lasers or something that stops her? It's like, a, yeah, I think it's like a laser beam sort of prevents her from going out. Yeah, from, from grabs leaving. her and then pulls her back in. And pulls her back. And then you've got this kind of like, how would you describe it? A zombie kind of a scene where we have all these plates of metal attaching to her arms and her legs and all these kind of stuff. Yeah. And then we have the wires and her eyes roll back. She opens her, her eyes. Yeah. And it's just silver. Yeah. Her eyelids roll back in her head and they become silver. And she's got this kind of like crazy black hair. And she kind of comes out almost like a Frankenstein's bride. And she starts shooting the Websters with these beams. And yeah, it was terrifying as a kid. Yeah. Um, I think I think looking back as an adult, one of the reasons it was so scary is one, the way it was shot. And two, uh, there's no kind of music or anything. Yeah. And you can hear her kind of screaming as she's being dragged back into the machine and the stuff is kind of being attached to her. It's the way the uh, scream goes almost computerized as well as it happens. Yeah. It's really, it, I mean, you know, I'm a yeah. 40 something year old man now, but even still, I have those childhood flashbacks like, oh no, that'd be horrible if that, imagine that happening to you as well. It's like, yeah, obviously she's you, fine in the end. But. And you, you can kind of see it happening to Superman in the end. The computer kind of shoots, kind of catches him as well just before yeah. he lifts the lid off the, and it's covering his face with wires and dragging him into the machine. Like there's some real kind of body horror stuff here. Yeah, because yeah, um, one of my all-time favorite bits of Superman merchandise that I would love to have again is I had the red thermos lunchbox for Superman 3 that was Superman sort of smashing his way out of the mm. wires. Yeah. I loved that and obviously being a child it got destroyed and then eventually got phased out for a Transformers lunchbox but I kept the red box with like you know as a kid the picture starts peeling off so you just start picking away at it and colouring it in and that sort of thing so by the end it was just a red box I kept all my toys in it for years up till I was about 11 I still had stuff in that box to the point where it was a joke in the family it's like there goes Stuart in his little red box it's still crazy that that there was really no merchandise like when you look at the merchandise that was released the kids toys and stuff that was released for Batman 89 yeah um, and like I had all those figures, Toy Biz, Kenner, all that stuff, the planes and the bat wings and the, the bat caves and, the you know, Bob the henchman and all these guys. And for things like Superman 3, even Superman 4 came out two years before. Nothing. Yeah. Zero. There was an advert, wasn't there, with Mark McClure with the superpowers, Superman and Clark Kent. Yeah. Because I think Christopher Reeve didn't sign his likeness over for anything. So it was just coloring books, magazines, posters, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, that lunchbox, I absolutely adored it. I occasionally check eBay to see if it ever comes up. But They're probably all huge money now, are they? Probably, yeah. To date, it has not come up that I've seen anyway. It's one of those yeah, ones yeah. that I've, I occasionally post it online, but like, if anybody ever sees this anywhere and it's at a reasonable price. <laughs> um, I, I've seen the Superman the movie ones all right, and the only thing really that I have from Superman 3 is I have an original one-sheet poster. Um, and I think it's the one because there's two very different posters well there's a couple of posters but there's two the the, the primary two posters the the american release one is awful it's a it's an image of superman that's the one superman the, carrying it's on the novel yeah um uh, superman carrying gus and that kind of cartoony and the cape looks weird and stuff but there's this really cool kind of sci-fi uh, poster where it's and it, it doesn't really happen in the film but there's like this wall of a computer and Superman bursts out of it flying and you can see Richard Donner at a control panel kind of turn to look up at Superman um, and you can get that and uh, the, the only thing was in the British I think it was the British version the UK version it's kind of um, an eight you know a, a landscape kind of yeah. a poster um, but I got I managed to get the Australian version which is a, a full a full spread poster 
Um, so I'm looking forward to to getting that out um, when I when I move into the new place. But that's the only thing I really own from Super. I have I have actually I tell a lie. I have the poster. Uh, Rob O'Connor, my co-host there on on All Star Superfan, gifted me with the with the book for Superman three. Um, and the original VHS that I used to rent from the local video store, when that video store was closing down circa 2002, 2003, I went down to buy all those old VHS Superman uh, videos. And the only one left was Superman 3, um, which probably goes to show that it was the least liked version. If yeah. someone bought the other four, but left three there. <laughs> so I own the original one that I always rented out as a kid in the 80s. I own that. Yeah, I lost all my yeah. Superman VHSs. I think yeah. a couple of mine had taped off the telly, so I never actually got around to buying them properly on. Yeah. You know, it's like, you've got Superman 2 at home. It's like, no, I haven't. I've got Superman 2 with adverts in it at home. <laughs> but it's kind of like when you've got limited money to spend your well, pocket money it. on, it's kind of like, I don't need to buy that because yeah. I've got it taped off the my, telly. That's why I never bought all the Lois and Clark videos because I taped them all off telly. My my Batman Returns was the uh, was a, was a version that showed on Irish television at Christmas one year and it had all the ads and it was like a time <laughs> capsule for twenty years. <laughs> I, I do love those fortune the old adverts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Me too. But... Don't you never get here? Well, I hope you don't expect me to save you because I don't do that anymore. <laughs> don't worry, I'm long past saving. Don't let me keep you from anything. I'm not in a rush. What did you have in mind? Lots of things. Oh, yeah? <gasps> Ooh. If you'll just do me one little favor first. What's that? Well, see, there's this little boat, and it's up. Going where it's supposed to go, and... Yeah, I mean, there's weird bits in this. Um, there's a really weird shot in the um, school reunion where it's like through the mixing desk, and it's on mm-hmm. the DJ's crotch. Crotch, yeah. Like a really weird shot. It's like, why is that there? Yeah, that's and that always stuck out to me even as a kid. I was like, what is the story with this? And look, I know Richard Lester is more of a kind of a comedic. I presume. Look, to be honest, I haven't seen a lot of literature of of Richard Lester's work. I've never seen his Musketeer movies. But so I've I, seen the yeah. Musketeer movies, and I've seen some of the. I've definitely seen a Hard Day's Night with my dad. Never my eldest it. is a massive Beatles fan, so he's got Help and Hard Day's Night, and I've seen bits of them when he's watching them. Um, but I always just presumed he was more of a comedic, yeah, director because of you know the way. Of, of all the comedy basically he put in this when he got the full reins and the comedy that he put in put in three or sorry in Superman 2 you know like that um, and that's one thing about the, the the Donner cut that I prefer over the Lester cut is that there's more menace in yeah. that final battle compared to the Lester cut where you've got like guys on skateboards and ice creams going into people's faces and all this kind of nonsense which you know I'm, I'm thankful that that went in, in the in the in the um, in the Donner cut um, but yeah, I've always, even though I've I've never really seen any more of his work, I've always just presumed that he was more of a, a slapstick guy. Yeah, yeah, I think he is. Um, there's a couple of other bits in this. When Superman stops the harvester from killing Ricky, mm-hmm. he's kind of a dick to the guy driving the harvester. Where the guy's like, oh my God, oh my God. is he all right? And he just Absolutely. Like, gives him a look and flies off. As if it was his fault. I I don't think anybody else has ever said that to me. And that has always bugged me that he's not like he's okay. 
you know, calm down, relax or whatever, or just look, it's not your fault and fly off. Something like that. How dare you be doing your job in this cornfield? <laughs> yeah. He gives him this dick look and flies off with him. Ricky, the second most annoying child in the Superman universe <laughs> after uh what's the guy in Superman four? Jeremy. Jeremy. Oh. Do some good. <laughs> I want to see a film about that harvester driver who's just kind of like I nearly killed a kid, man. Then Superman made just, me feel like it was my fault. Yeah, just how his life. I'd want to read the comment. He should have been the villain in Superman 4. <laughs> just spirals down the drain after that encounter. He becomes conduit or something just because he wants to kill Superman. <laughs> but I know they're great. I, I thoroughly enjoy that entire sequence with, uh, with Lana and Clark and Ricky having the picnic. And there's a little bit of slapstick, but it's the kind that's done right, with the, with yeah. the like I mentioned before, with the dog food. And another great change where he runs behind the fence, changes into Superman, flies away. Um, really enjoyed that. And I love the story Annette O'Toole always tells. Um, I think she was on Michael Rosenbaum's podcast and she was telling the story about how she'd been dealing with Christopher Reeve as Clark kind of for the majority of the shoot. And one day she was on set and she heard, heard someone from behind her say, you know, hello, Annette. And he turned around, she turned around and she just, here he was in the costume for the first time. And she, she Annette O'Toole is a massive Superman fan and was even as a kid and uh, just looked him from boot to to Jerry Curl just kept looking and up, was like up, up. <laughs> wow and I can I can imagine I, I it's one of my favorite stories from uh, from any of these behind the scenes of the yeah movie. I think she tells a truncated version of it on um the look up in the sky documentary as well I'm sure mm. it's in that or possibly in one of the making ofs but yeah, yeah I've definitely heard it when she's been on um Michael Rosenbaum as well yeah and um, she's always but I saw a picture of her recently because she is married don't ask me for the guy's name it'll come to me but the he he played Perry White in Smallville yeah. he's in Spinal Tap he's you know he's in everything from Friends to um, and I saw a picture of the two of them last year at a baseball game and she was wearing her Superman 3 production baseball cap <laughs> yeah I saw that picture 40 years later um, so, that's yeah. going to annoy me now because I, I know his name he was even in. He was even in. Uh, he's even in Lois and Clark. He's the guy who clones Bizarro. Yeah, Lois and Clark uh, for John Shay's Lex Luthor. I, I will quickly look it up now. Um, Great actor. He is. Yeah, Michael McKean. Michael McKean. He makes the. He's the guy who comes up with the mocklet for in yeah. in Friends. You know, for Monica. Um, but yeah, it's it's such. Look, this is the one. Superman the movie is the is the Oscar movie you know it's the one that you know set new standards and you know that everybody and is like i said by far the superior film but superman 3 i always just think it's fun if i have an hour and i want to get a dose of superman or i'm sitting down with my daughter and i say yeah it's wrong superman film it's always three yeah superman films for me are weird because i love them when i watch them but i don't go back to them very often like mm-hmm. this year i've seen superman the movie twice so i went to see it in the cinema and mm-hmm. then i rewatched it for the episode we did um, but before that, it'd been possibly when the three-hour TV cut came out on Blu-ray. Yes. Like, yeah. Well, it's got to be getting on for five or so years ago. It is, yeah. I think it was that 2018. Was, yeah, that was the last time I watched it through and probably other than catching bits on telly. We have the 4K release now of all these films. Um, I haven't bought it yet. Very no, I can't pull the trigger on that. Yeah, it's, it's it's steep and I, I can't pay I, that much for less. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know. And I, there's still issues with it. There's still people I see people have issues with the box set and people have issues like the Superman. I think the Superman, the movie, the first film is the, pretty much the exact same as the release from a few years ago, which I have, which was not great. Um, And I don't know what. So I think I, I read uh, I, I, I listened to Oliver Harper's review of the of the new release. And I think he said that Superman three 
was probably the most impressive of the lot. Yeah. Um, but to drop like 100 and whatever it is, about, I think it was about 150 quid to get it over here. 130 for the Steelbook one. There and yeah, then it's it's hard to justify. You know, less for the moment. non-Steelbook one, but like I yeah, say, it's, it's got less in it than the Blu-ray box set that I got for about 15 quid. Yeah, yeah. And my um, 4K upscales the Blu-rays just fine for me at the minute because yeah. I don't have the set, same setup and all that stuff, so... I haven't actually seen Superman the movie in a few years. We we never did a straight review of any of these. We 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 spoke to Oliver Harper on the podcast about Superman three, and we've spoken to um, Martin Lakin. Do we speak to Martin Lakin? I might have to cut this out. No, I didn't speak to Martin Lakin about four. I thought we talked to someone. About, yeah, so um, I haven't. We haven't done a straight review of the podcast uh, of the films for the podcast. But um, so I haven't seen Superman the movie in a couple of years. But myself and Rob are both meeting up on. We don't meet up regularly in in real life, just due to life and stuff. But we're meeting up on June seventeenth to go to Superman in concert, um, oh, in cool. Dublin. So I'm really looking forward to seeing Superman the movie with a live uh, with a live orchestra. Uh, yeah, they did that over here last year, but it was in London. It was just mm. a ball leg to get to. So and I think I was working and. Never falls at the right time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, let me ask you a question: Would you, what rankings would you give the films, including Supergirl? Is Supergirl worse than three and four in your opinion? Or where I've not seen it? Supergirl for years. Again, that was quite a novelty curio for me, even as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember quite enjoying Supergirl. I mean, I like again. When I say I found this film plodding, it still doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. A bit like the Bond films, even the bad yes. Bond films, I really enjoy them. Um, and I still really enjoy all the Superman films, what they are, with I need to rewatch Man of Steel, but where it stands at the moment, yeah. that's the only one I don't enjoy. Yeah, so I can't really say where I'd put Supergirl in it. It probably would fall somewhere with these two. I think three and four, four's just a really bad film. Yeah. But I do enjoy it. I found I enjoyed it a lot. I think once I, four was one that, because I had the comic book adaptation of four as well, and I reread yeah. that having yeah. not seen the film for years, and then rewatched the film. And I was like, "Oh, this is missing quite a bit of stuff that I was hoping to be in it," kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I got a bit of Mandela effect of stuff I'd seen in the comic. I remembered seeing in the film, and it wasn't in the film at all. Um, some of that has surfaced as deleted scenes. And I, um, we'd love to see. I'd love. We like this is the big thing that we'd love to see. One hour archive release a full 132 minute cut of the original. Like, I, don't get me wrong. I don't think it'll make the film brilliant or anything. But I would like to see a completed version yeah. of the film. Yeah, just to know what it was like, kind of thing, isn't yeah. it? It's. I mean, I quite like to see a re-edit of this. If this film was tightened up a bit more, there's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff in this film that doesn't need to be there. That yeah. some that I feel they could have spent the money better elsewhere on some. I just think it slows the film down a bit. Um, but I think three and four sort of sit together for me. They're both yeah. as bad and as good as each other on an enjoyment level for me. Yeah. The only other thing I'd say about this film that I think is uh, underappreciated is the Ken Torn score. Um, yeah. the, the Ken Torn score is is quite good. Um, and I think that's a bit of what I think it was released by La La, 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 La Records or La La Land Records um, a couple of years ago. Uh, maybe I could be wrong about that, but yeah, I think it was in Strada, I, might have done it possibly because um, they that did was... that blue box set, didn't they? That was, yes, yes, and um, that's that's really underappreciated. So, you know, people who are fans of, of film soundtracks should definitely check that out, yeah, because there's always that weird thing. Because I'm a big film sound score guy as well, mm. uh, certain ones I've got, people are like, but that film was shit. It's like, yeah, but the score was beautiful, <laughs> it's, it's like you've got to separate that stuff from it. It's, I think, with a lot of well, certainly the last two Christopher Reeve films, it's the what could have been, I think, is a bit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's, the only there's thing I... always that 
the only thing Long. I know about this is it, it'll it will always be very special to me. It'll always be the one that I go back to the most, and um, it's always I, I think it'll always be the one that I have the most fun with. Chris Reeve looks great in this film. The shots oh, in this he's... film where it's like he looks like Superman. Not that he didn't look like Superman, but there's like oh yeah, the, way the cape hangs no... on him. Everything looks great on him. Oh, he's he's yeah, he's majestic. He is like I said earlier. His his physical form is at peak here. He looks he looks like he just stepped off the pages of the comic books. He is superb. Yeah. Um, he looks absolutely looks the part in, in in this. And like I've seen photos of him recently with um with with Valerie Preen and stuff, and he is absolutely shredded. Um, but yeah, no, this is he's next level here. Yeah, because I always thought Christopher Reeve was the right build for Superman. I don't like a Superman who's too big and muscly. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Um, I thought Brandon Routh had the right sort of build as well. It's, he's Superman. Why does he need... He doesn't need to be the he Henry Cavill yeah. size. Yeah, and, you know, Fair yeah. play to Henry Cavill for doing that. Yeah, More work than I'd be willing to put into a job. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, more money you than we'd get paid to do a job. To be well, honest. yeah, that's it as well. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> we we have a full-time job, so we can't get shredded like that because I think we have to commit about 12 hours a day. <laughs> but um, it, it's fine. I just I wish he'd had stronger characters around him, maybe a stronger one. I know at one point it was Frank Langella and Alan Alder were the two first choices for... Ross Webster from bits and pieces oh. I've seen. I, uh, I know that. Frank Langella's mentioned on the commentary and Alan Older I read somewhere. But I don't think Alan Older was interested at all. Mm. Um I but I think, you know, I think Robert Vaughn is brilliant. I, I think yeah. he's good. Look, he's 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 underserved by what's basically a rip-off uh, Lex Luthor character, but I think he's he's superb. His line deliveries leave me laughing time after time. So, I he, think he's really good. He, he's just Robert Vaughn, isn't he? He's one of those yeah. people. It's um, yeah, like I say, I think he was just hampered with being a subpar Lex Luthor, unfortunately. But yeah, and you'd have to wonder was he was he really needed at all in the in the grand scheme of things? Maybe to push the plot forward a little bit at the start, but you know, Gus could definitely have outgrown him at 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 a certain point in the film. I think. Yeah, or even Laura Lai just turning. Yeah, yeah. Laura Lai's revealed as a sleeper brainiac or whatever. Yeah, no. I absolutely. feel like they had an idea for her, and it just never went anywhere. They either cut it from the budget or the script or whatever, and I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think I think we've covered it all. To be honest, um, yeah, unless there's no. anything else you want to. No, I I, I just think if 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 people haven't seen it in a long time and they think that it, you know it sits in their memory as being this really bad film, um, I think it deserves another look. Um, I think it has a lot of positives. I think there's great action in it. I think there's decent comedy. You know, fair enough. There's no, there's definitely an overuse of comedy in it. Um, I think once you kind of get into the story of it, it it flows quite nicely. Um, some great set pieces, some great performances by actors like Christopher Reeve and you know, Anato uh, Tool and stuff. Um, I think the romance works great. I and it's you know, it it feels to me like a real Superman adventure. It's almost yeah. like a TV show, you know, where you can just yeah. watch. You know, this is the one where he goes up against, you know, uh, this version of Brainiac or this version of evil evil Superman. Like even just the Superman fight junkyard scene fight alone. And I I didn't even mention it's the 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 photo I have displayed with the Christopher Reeves autograph that I have. Um, what is my second favorite shirt rip after the one and two uh, where he runs through the alley at the beginning of the film where he when when he dispenses of uh, evil superman and he stands to the to the the rising 
um, music and he rips open that shirt and he flies away. That oh, is such is, a triumphant shirt. It's really. such a great moment. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite moments in the entire series. And yeah. it's worth checking out for that alone. Even if you does, just want to check out He does a really nice exhale before he sort of rises triumphantly. Like, you know, yeah. there's a little bit of remorse for what he's just done, but... Absolutely. He, he cleansed that part of himself. It's wonderful. I think this film has a reputation that it does not deserve. I think Superman yep. 4 deserves its reputation, but is a mm-hmm. lot more fun than that reputation possibly leads you to believe. But yeah, yep. I think this film deserves a lot more respect than it possibly gets. Yeah, I, and, and and like I said, I, I think there is uh, there's a version out there. Like, in order to fix Superman 4, you really would have to dig up a lot of the unused stuff. You'd have to heavily you know, uh, uh, work at it. You'd have to, you know, use digital effects. You'd have, there's a lot of work to be done with Superman 4, I think. Superman 3, I think a couple of small edits. I'd I'd replace the opening sequence. Yeah. I would recolor the the kryptonite. Um, small things like, like, you're not going to, I'm not, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to change it in a way that, you know, suddenly like, well, well I spoke of earlier on where Gus Gorman is this, you know, turns evil, like yeah. in the, that episode, I think it's the nth degree is the episode of Star Trek I'm thinking of. Um, you're not going to be able to do that, but you could definitely tighten up a couple of things. I would remove all the slapstick, the the traffic, um, men fighting, and you know, the husband sticking. Yeah, the guy opening his paycheck and then just yeah. putting a grapefruit in his wife's face. <laughs> yeah, I, I to be honest, I I lose all that stuff. Um, and I think it would be a little bit tighter, and I think people would be able to swallow it a little bit easier. But overall, I think it's uh, I think it's I think it's a gem. Yeah. No, I think it's a. Because I've seen the deleted scenes and I watched a couple of them again today, just to refresh my memory. There's nothing in there that adds anything to the film. No, you can 100% see why they were cut. They don't. Yeah, they're not missed at all. Um, in some ways, they're worse than some of the stuff that end up in the film. The kid on the seesaw who ends up in the tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that actually. <laughs> yeah, the mother's yeah. horrible acting. Um, I'm sure yeah. you know, not casting dispersions against her, but it's. It's not great dialogue, to be fair. She's doing what she can with what she's got. So I will give her the benefit of the doubt on that. Um, but yeah, I think trim it, tighten it up. I think it's a film that could benefit from being shorter rather than Absolutely. adding to it. Because like you say, you can't add the stuff that you need to properly save it. But I think if you yeah. could tighten it up a bit. Rob Rob O'Connor, um, the, my co-host on, on the podcast, was he had an idea that it would make for a great season or maybe a half season arc on Superman and Lois. Yeah. The story of kind of Gus Gorman and, you know, uh, the, the, you know, and you could, you could tell it in a, in a, in a way that could improve upon the, the, the story beats of the original, you know, where you have this guy and he gets a job for this, you know, uh, megalomaniac and he invents his computer and you could go through all that kind of stuff and you could have the evil Superman fight. You could have uh, Clark turning bad over multiple episodes um, and it really could work. Now, I'm not a big fan of like, you know, of of shows. And I've said this numerous times of shows that have one story arc over, you know, 20 episodes or whatever yeah. like that. I'd much prefer if they had if they're if you're going to make 20 episodes, um, I'd much prefer they had two or three big kind of story arcs. In, yeah, in Agents of Shield started doing that in their yeah. later season. And it were really well. That was I, what killed the Arrowverse a lot for me is like absolutely. Like, Particularly with the Flash, it was like Barry's doing stupid things for the sake of dragging this out for an entire just season. Just filler, you know. I'd, I'd be much happier with kind of eight, ten episodes of a show. But if you're going to do it over twenty episodes, and this would be perfect, I, I I thought it was a great idea that Rob had, and I would yeah. love to see. And I'd love to see, like we said it to Mark that time, Mark Pillow. I'd love to see some of these characters return to live action. 
Like, yeah. There's no reason why Tyler Hecklin can't fight Nuclear Man or can yeah. fight you know Gus Gorman computer um and and you know and I know like there, there's there's hints and nods to these films um in in other shows and stuff now like I, they had a, a similar scene in Superman and Lois lately to uh, the the diner scene in Superman 2 where he goes yeah. back to the diner and again but you know with more context it made a lot more sense than what Christopher Reeve Christopher Reeve's version did in Superman 2 which is a bit of a dick move when you actually look at yeah. it through, through growing up lenses um, but yeah, it, I I think it could make it for a great story. And apparently, I haven't read the Superman three novel yet, but apparently that adds a lot to it as well. Yeah, I've started reading it, but it's that opening scene, and it's just so dry and so hard mm-hmm. to get through that I kind of put the book because I was hoping to read it before doing this, but then I was yeah. I just can't be asked. Life's too short. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to it eventually, but I don't want to feel like I'm pressurized into reading it. I think for me, the big thing with Superman is he works better as an episodic TV. Because yes. comics, by their very nature, are episodic. Like I've always said, in my dream world, you'd get a TV series that would mm-hmm. lead up to a big thing that would then be the big screen movie. Then you go mm-hmm. back to the TV series, maybe chuck in a couple of them, maybe do some side episodes, things that I love, like in Superman Blue and Red, the story with the waitress. Oh, yes, um, absolutely. Little things like that with the side characters really yeah. build in the world which they just don't get time to do in films and you see that's that's something that i know like i'm 38 now and that is something that i appreciate more about the character is the smaller moments you know yeah. superman dealing with his family superman having to you know it, it it's obviously it's fun when superman is saving a shuttle um in superman returns and all that kind of stuff but it's i find it more interesting now the the issues that he deals with as superman the choices that he has to make and how he gets there and those are always dealt with better in a television format. Yeah. And they always were. Yeah. I mean, you get hints at it, like Clark and Lana tidying up after the mm-hmm. school reunion. That's quite a nice yeah. little thing. I've always said that I I liked the end of the first season of Superman and Lois, where it's a large part of it is just at that barbecue in Smallville at the end. Yes. And I, was yeah. like, I could quite happily sit through a whole episode of this. It's like one of my favorite episodes yeah. of the Lois and Clark series is yeah. um, Fly Hard. Not so yes. much for the whole episode, but I just love the idea of them hanging out at the planet, helping Perry tidy out his <laughs> office and all that sort of thing. Yeah, and just absolutely. them chilling and working but as like, a group. Even even a scene in Superman Four where him and Lois actually sit down and have a conversation about what it means that she remembers, you know, like that kind of thing. Like like to make her forget a second time. There, give yeah. me a break. You know that that was just ridiculous stuff. Yeah, again, like you say, I think they paint themselves into a corner where they realize that. They killed the Kents off, so they had nobody you could talk to. Yeah, but, and again, that's the saddest thing to me with these is that Lois Lane, Perry White, and Jimmy Olsen are largely reduced to cameos in these yeah. last two films. I mean, they don't have a great deal to do in Superman Two either, but well, there's definitely a lot less. Jimmy, this is probably Jimmy's biggest yeah. contribution, is it? Because of that whole that entire scene with them. Um, I do love him on the bus talking to Clark. This is on the start, and just even Clark's kind of like. Say, what's that over there, Jim? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I only noticed the last time that I watched the film that the guy sitting behind them on the bus, and again, I'm terrible with names, which is a terrible thing for a detective, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, is the, the guy who's sitting directly behind Clark on the bus is the guy who designed Yoda, that Yoda's designed after. Uh, All right. Uh, in Star Wars, if you, if you look back at it, you'll spot him. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. 
Um, but yeah, it's like yeah, you're right, and especially. I suppose, look, they have, they have well, like Perry's really not in this film at all. He's got the two scenes in relation to the tourists being sent off uh, on their on their vacation <laughs> or whatever. Um, he has a little bit more to do in Superman 4, I suppose, when he he's, you know, kind of fighting with... Uh, with well, even that, uh, he sort of disappears most of the film and then comes back at the end being like, at I've spoke to the banks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, you're right. Absolutely. And I, that's that's something. But again, with television and stuff, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of the the way the Flash does it, where everybody knows his secret and then everybody's a superhero and there's no kind of tension to it. I'm old school. I like him having a secret identity and a lot of the drama being derived from how do you balance? How do you balance being Clark Kent and Superman? Yeah. How do you balance? Lois and Clark did it very well. How do you balance having two lives and keeping everybody happy and not leaving people down? But again, like if I had gone back, if there had been a season five, say, of, of Lois and Clark, I would have liked maybe Perry to figure it out or Jimmy to figure it out, you know, and see what that dynamic would be like. It doesn't mean that everybody who works in the Daily Planet has to know who Superman is, you know, like is basically what happened in, in, in Supergirl. Um, everybody, in, in, uh, I'm fairly confident. I'm, I'm right in saying that. Does, does everybody in the DOE know that she's Supergirl, that she's Kara? Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the, I'm wrong. The main crew do. Yeah, um, um, but yeah, I, I like I, I definitely be and because it was it was a shame saying in things like Lois and Clark where Perry and Jimmy were just and they even addressed it in the show like they even spoke the characters spoke about it in the show where they're like do you ever feel like we're secondary characters in this in, you know in some you know TV show and that's because Perry was great in season you know in the early seasons Perry was I mean that's that's my all time favorite Perry White is Lane oh yeah Smith. Lane Smith is, um, is the goat. Um, I love Jackie Cooper as well. I love all the different ones, what they brought mm. to it, but we got more time with Lane Smith. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just think I always liked the idea, I think they address it in Smallville, that there are certain people that know, but Lionel Luther knew it was implied mm-hmm. in Smallville. I'm sure, I might be misremembering, but there was a group of people along with Lionel Luther who knew that were like in power who could suppress the thing. I, mean, I always like the idea that Perry knew but just didn't say anything and he just was there to repress well, we, speak, sort of... we speak about in our Man of Steel episode. Um we have a our guest on our Man of Steel episode is Zaki Asan who works with San Francisco Chronicle and has his own podcast and stuff. And uh we were discussing how uh, myself and Rob are of the opinion that in the Man of Steel universe everybody in Smallville knows by the time the Superman turns up that he's yeah. that he's Clark Kent. You know, like when that when Clark's funeral is going on um, in in Batman v Superman, um, it is Batman v Superman, isn't it? Yeah, in Batman yeah. v Superman, that you know everybody in Smallville knows that they're burying Clark Kent, Superman. Yeah. Um, and I like that. You know, I, I like that. That's it's a nice way of doing it that way. Like, I think I think Amy Adams as Lois found out a bit too easy. I figured it out a bit too quick. Uh, they really side the sideline Clark Kent and that, and I hate when they do. Yeah. That. I mean, I'll get onto it when we get to Man of Steel in this series, but for me, so I might cut this out, but for mm-hmm. me, it just doesn't feel like there's any difference between his Clark and his Superman. No, there's no difference. There's, there's no difference. Nothing at all. at all in it. Not even a slight differentiation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, let's not get started on him just rocking up at the planet and getting a job as a reporter. <laughs> a job. Yeah, we, we discussed that too. Yeah, <laughs> no. Um, um, mind you, Chris Reeve does pretty much the same thing. He stands in the Fortress of Solitude for 12 years and then gets a job because he's the tap- the fastest damn type that Perry has ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> um, yeah, Superman's got his own issues with that kind of thing. Of, you know, just rocks back into the world, but... 
yeah, and it would be nice. Um, like it would be nice to see a different version of that. Like, like the Man of Steel film and the Superman the movie, you know, follow a lot of the same beats. And it would be nice to see a different version where Jorel doesn't just tell Clark to be Superman. That you know, I I would like to see the Lois and Clark version where Clark travels the world and you know, um, builds on his 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 journalist uh, credentials and then returns to Metropolis, having formed the idea to become Superman. Yeah, um, I'd like to see that. It's time we get something like that. Now we've yeah. seen we've seen enough of the same on the big screen. I think. Yeah, I mean, I'd quite like to just rock into a Superman movie without any of the origin mm-hmm. stuff anymore. Which I think is what we're going to get with Legacy. Yeah, I, I think it is. Um, I'm hoping it's not going to be too close to All Star Superman. As much as there are stuff of that I like. Yeah, I don't think I, it will I, be. I, I don't I, think it's a good first Superman movie. No. Um, if yeah, no, I I'd agree with that. And there's a lot in it that I would. But now the only thing is James Gunn likes that kind of quirky, you know, Silver Age characterizations and stuff. And there's a lot of that in All Star Superman, but. To the everyday uh, movie goer, it could be a bit jarring. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm hoping he finds a happy middle between the James Gunnness of it all and the comics of it all. I am liking that now. Every since he's been on board, all the trailers for things are ending with read the comics. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. it's about time that people started doing that. I'm like saying, and, actually, end the end of the trailers as well. And to that point, the Superman comics at present are extremely extremely strong yeah. they're going through this wave of great writers great artists uh, we just reviewed superman up in the sky um, um and other books like like you mentioned earlier superman red and blue um the, the sonic halal stuff all really 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 strong and if anybody has kind of um distanced themselves or kind of fallen out of reading the comics in the last while i would highly recommend you go back and check out what's going on with superman right now because yeah I, I've, great, I've jumped back on with there. this Repick up the Dawn mm. of DC thing because yeah. I jumped back on with the Bendis run and I enjoyed that to a point, but then I was mm. starting to go a bit silly again. Yeah. yeah, starting to get to what it took like 10 years for the post crisis era to get to. We seem to have hit that within yeah. two years. So. There's some great kind of standalone books out there. Superman Space Age is another one that came yeah. out. I think there's three volumes of that out now. Really, really strong stuff. Yeah. Like it, it really is a great time to, to check those books out again and support local comic book shops. Yeah. Stay away from Amazon. Try and get your orders. I get all my orders from uh, most of my orders from Dublin City Comics and Collectibles. I get some of them from other comic book shops around uh, Dublin and stuff. But yeah, support local if you can. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's awesome. No, cheers cool. for that. So what's going on with All-Star Superfan? Uh, also, Superfan is going great. We've had some great episodes over the last while and more to come. Uh, interviews with, like I said, this year we had Keen Tormey, DC exclusive artist Keen Tormey, talking about Son of Kal-El and his career. Um, we've had Ed Gross talking about Voices from Krypton, which both Rob and I contributed to, as, as well as a lot of other people. Um, that is That was released on June 6th, so you can get that from Amazon and most of your um, comic book shops and stuff, I think, will be stocking it. Uh, we have covered some books. We have an episode, should probably have dropped by the time this comes out, um, uh, kind of covering For the Man Who Was Everything, the book by Alan Moore that came out, I think, in, was it 85? And the live action uh versions of that story that have come out in shows like Superboy, Krypton, a version in Supergirl as well, a, yeah. a pretty accurate version, and obviously the Justice League Limited episode as well. Yeah. Um, and we have a lot more to come. We have an episode coming out shortly on Superman Lives, deep dive into Superman Lives, more guests. So yeah, you can check that. We're at All Star Superfan on Facebook and on Instagram and at All Star Superpod on Twitter. 
um as well so uh, yeah it's going great it's it's been a dream really to be honest yeah. meeting every, people like you other podcasters the community has been so supportive being involved in ed gross's book and just yeah it's it's been absolutely it's been a dream yeah i'm really looking forward to ed gross's book um it's not come out over here yet for us yeah i'm I'm still waiting on my copy as well yeah yeah because i'm seeing people being like i've got it in hand like, damn, you, <laughs> damn you all but again that interview you did with ed gross i really enjoyed it, it was a really good interview and again made me go yeah i'm definitely pre-ordering the book <laughs> yeah and we do we do special episodes as well like people's b movies the first one we covered steel steel and the, yeah with yourself and the second <laughs> one then is uh masters of the universe uh, 1987 we covered with uh cape wonder europe's martin lake and yeah. so i really really had a lot of fun with that one so i hope you'll check it out yeah i they lost 80s superman movie in some ways on <laughs> <laughs> in, in some ways because they some of their budget got diced around as well. But well, that's it. That's it. And that's the that's the link to Superman Four. The fact that it still will, the Masters still will half of its uh, half of its thirty four million dollar budget. Um, but Stuart, this has been this has been superb. I've really had a great time. Thanks so much. For yeah. Me no, on. thank you for coming on. I really enjoyed it. Cheers, Alan. No hassle. Lois, I've got to hand it to you. Who else could turn a three week vacation into a front page story that's going to blow the lid off of corruption in the Caribbean? You know, I knew I was onto something when that taxi driver kidnapped me. Oh, Lois, you're terrific. I have to be. Seems I've got some new competition. Hmm? The story that you wrote on the class reunion? Yeah. I thought it was terrific. Oh, thanks. And fascinating. I, I like the part about the little girl back home. Why don't I take you to lunch and you can tell me all about it? Oh, I'd love to, Lois, but today I'm having lunch with Mr. White's new secretary. Hi, Lana. Hi, Clark. Oh, Lana. Lois, say hello to Lana Lang, Smallville's newest gift at Metropolis. Oh, I'm glad to meet you, Miss Lang. I like your writing a lot. Thank you. I like your sparkler a lot. Oh, me too. I couldn't believe it when Clark gave it to me. Clark gave it to you? Yes. Mr. White. Mr. White, look what I've got for you. People, I am in love with this machine. Uh, Mr. White, excuse me if you don't mind, but I have a couple of errands to run before lunch. <laughs> go, go ahead, Mr. White. Well, where's the handle? There is no handle. You just push the button. That was Superman 3. And why not? I'd like to thank Alan for joining me on the episode to talk about the film. Please do check out the show notes for all the links you need for the All-Star Superfan podcast. At the time of recording, Superman 3 is available in the UK on DVD, Blu-ray and 4K Ultra HD from Warner Brothers, either individually or part of the Superman Collection box set. It's also available to rent or buy digitally from Prime Video and YouTube. We put a shout out on the socials for your thoughts on and memories of seeing the film, and we had a few replies. At Drew underscore 3DP on Twitter said, The creepy conversation between Superman and Lana right after he's affected by the Kryptonite is so well done, uncomfortable to watch to this day. At for Comic Junkies on Twitter said, I always love the transformation where he gets in the back of the car. It was a fun way for the filmmakers to be like, you can't just always use a phone booth. At the Gothamite on Twitter said, Superman 3 is not a great film, but it's a film I've seen more times than I've seen Sunshine on a Saturday morning. It's the ultimate low stakes, easygoing comfort film for me. Perfect to throw on on a lazy Sunday when you want to turn off your brain and open your heart. Of the five super films, including Supergirl, this is the one where I have no idea what anyone was thinking. It doesn't have the Bondian scale of the first, the space opera of the second, the political turmoil of the fourth, or even the high fantasy of Supergirl. Even the humour with Richard Pryor just feels bizarre. The screenwriters clearly didn't really understand his style, resulting in this strange family-friendly mix of improv and goofy slapstick that is sometimes funny but mostly so bad it's good. Annette O'Toole is a fine actress and enjoys great chemistry with Chris Reeve although the love story feels a touch too rooted in white knight wish fulfillment fantasy to be a really worthy follow-up to the epic romance of the first two films. I get why people like it. 
It's the only one as well where Reeves' Superman doesn't really have a substantial character arc. He turns evil for reasons out of his control, and then he turns good again at the end. Somehow, Reeves manages to find mountainous dimensions in all of this, as he always does. All of this is to say, it's still such a cheery, silly, lovely film, and every time I watch it, I'm grateful that it exists. Even if it is strange that it does. Like all the Superman films, I've seen it 200 times, and I'll see it 800 more. Also, it might be the one I quote the most. At Always Smallville on Twitter said, Well said that, the Gothamite. I echo a lot of that sentiment. Superman 3 is by far the one I've watched the least though. So part of its appeal for me now is how fresh it still feels compared to the others. Reeves looks his best here as Superman and his Clark might be the best across the board too. The chemistry between him and O'Toole, my favourite Lana, is A+. And there's a sweet return to Smallville story here buried beneath all the ridiculousness. Superman vs. Evil Superman fight is probably the best fight of the series. And Vaughn is an extremely entertaining and quotable as a post-crisis Lex before Crisis was a thing. As great as Comedian Pryor is, it was a miscalculation to focus the movie on him. Not a good fit. Finally, Vera getting turned into a cyborg was terrifying as a kid and is still creepy and effective as an adult. And finally, at ChloeVillePod on Twitter said, Lorelai Ambrosi is the hero of the movie, and shame on Superman for pretending he didn't know her at the end. And why did Clark eat dog food again? Thank you to everyone who sent in comments for this episode. If you'd like to let us know your thoughts on the film, you can get involved in the conversation wherever you see this episode posted on our social media channels. So if you aren't already, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram, or why not join the Am Why Not group over on Facebook. We're also on threads now as well, if you fancy finding us there. Not only will we be kept up to date with what episodes are coming up and have the chance to contribute to them, but we also post our picks of three great movies to check out each week on Freeview TV. If you fancy joining us, just search Am Why Not Pod on social media, or check out the links in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this episode and be bothered to do so, please give the episode a share and tell your friends about it. And why not give the series a follow or subscribe over on Acast or wherever you listen to the episodes? If you're feeling super generous, we'd be grateful of a rating or a review if you have a second or two to spare. Or don't, we're just grateful that you spent the time listening to us, thank you. And if you enjoy podcasts talking about Superman, I've put some links in the bonus features section for the episode page on the Haunted Nerds website for you to check out, as well as a link to the Superman homepage. So if you're looking for more Superman goodness in your life, there's a good place to start right there. If you've missed any Amwine episodes so far, you can find them on our podcast channel over on Acast, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, or on our website at hauntednerds.com. In the meantime, we're back on Tuesday the 1st of August, where I'll be joined by All-Star Superman's other co-host, Rob O'Connor, as we discuss Milton Keynes' very own Superman 4 The Quest for Peace. But until then, this has been a Nerds Who Themselves production, and I've been Stuart Moraine. Thanks for listening, and remember... Both keys at the same time? Bye for now.